You're now listening to the Live Different Podcast with Matt Wilson. What's up, guys? It's Matt Wilson with the Live Different Podcast coming to you with another episode. Today, we are honoring our mind, body, and spirits and building our dream businesses and life in paradise with Amber Sears. Look, you don't have to do all that, but she did. I will say that she and I have followed very similar paths, which we're both excited to share some of the strategies and tactics that we've used along the way that have helped us. I have known Amber for a very long time. I'm excited to get this episode out to you because she is someone who has really taken a deep look inward in herself and what she had wanted to create in her life. And uh, she has done just that. She also lived in Costa Rica for a very long time, transitioned to Austin, where I am talking to you from right now. And uh, she's just an awesome person that I've known for over 10 years. So I wanted to bring her to you all to learn uh, about all these things. So we talk about everything from psychedelic journeys, which is something that she has actually helped physically guided people on uh, in shamanic settings. Of course, we warn people about all the dangers, which is uh, most important when, when talking about this. We've talked about how to reintegrate yourself after you go on an international trip or to a retreat or try to bring what you've learned when you've done a lot of inner work into your your real life, if you will call it, which is a major, major challenge. I know I used to just about have breakdowns every time I'd come back to the United States from abroad because life was just so different here. And something, of course, I'm still dealing with that today. And yeah, Amber is just an awesome person and she her focus now is online business coaching. So if you're interested in really taking your business to the next level or getting discovered online, she has a wealth of information there as well. Uh, you can get all the show notes for this one at mattwilson.co. You can uh, search for Amber's name there and it will pop right up. We have lots of different books that she recommends, a couple documentaries, links to her website, really interesting things that she is doing. So guys, get ready for an awesome episode with Amber Sears. Hello, everyone, and welcome. I'm your host, Matt Wilson, and today I'm here with Amber Sears. Amber is an old friend of mine. We have known each other for more than 10 years. I was just thinking about this, and in 2009, I reached out to Amber when we were launching under30ceo.com and asked her because she was one of the very few millennial bloggers on the internet if she would be interested in contributing a piece. Sure enough, she was. At that time, she had an amazing blog called epicself.com. Today, I noticed that she has written over 800 articles on her website, so it's still going strong. Now, 11 years later, we've had some just some incredible synchronicities between the two of us and, and followed very similar paths. I was living in New York when I first reached out to Amber. Amber was living in San Francisco. Coincidentally, I saw her move down to Costa Rica just when I just started going down there looking for places to put on our trips for under 30 experiences. That must have been somewhere around 2011, 12. And my first time ever in Memel Antonio, a place so near and dear to my heart, my very first stop was into Amber's Wellness Retreat Center, took a yoga class with her, (laughs) hung out at the beach just a year or two later, I spoke at, at one of your events. You had an re- entrepreneur's retreat running, I believe, with Cody McKibben. I'm just recounting all of these things oh, yeah. now that we've somehow gone on, on this quite similar path. And uh, now you are really focusing on online business coaching. And to top it off, we've both moved to Austin, Texas. We could have done this 
in person and we didn't hang out as much as we should have in the last 10 years. So maybe the next 10 years is when we'll get to see each other more in person. But anyway, with all that, Amber, welcome. Thank you so much. Oh, it's so wonderful to hear you recap all of that because it's been so interesting how our lives are quite parallel and really just our passions for how we built our businesses and what matters to us in terms of travel and all that. So thank you so much for having me. Excited to be here. You're so welcome. And uh, I didn't even read off your bio at all because I just started storytelling. But I really like how you put a part of your bio, at least you said that you're an international Pilates and yoga teacher, holistic nutritionist, former professional dancer and business coach. And you said you're a sun worshiping environmentalist and planet romping entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. So if that doesn't sum you up, I don't know what does, Amber. So thank you again for, for being here. Oh, absolutely. Yes. I know it's been it's such an interesting journey, you know, going from movement, teaching movement to now teaching business. And there it's just been such a massive trajectory and shift in in myself, of course, which I know you've experienced something similar. It's like looking back on the last 10 years from when I started Epic Self was just a blog and was just blogging only to where we are now technologically wise. It's just fantastic. <laughs> no, it's so cool to see. And so you learned so much in San Francisco. And uh, I believe that you were teaching yoga and Pilates at that time. I think you were even teaching somewhere in, in Mexico. Is that right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then you transitioned into Costa Rica. Could you tell the story of your just desire to move to Costa Rica? Because it's just so interesting to hear why people would pack up from an amazing place like San Francisco and say, you know what, I'm going to try something totally off the grid, if you will. Yeah. And this was such a massive shift for me that was so necessary for my soul at the time, because I love San Francisco. It's a phenomenal city, but it really is such a hustle and grind. It's a very hard existence there to pay bills, to just like to just have any sort of quality of life, it's a big hustle and grind. And so I moved up there for college and, and graduated with my degree in dance performance and choreography. And then went on to get certified in Pilates and yoga. And so I was building my whole business around my dance career, which didn't pay well. And of course, in San Francisco, you know, you got to be able to pay your really high rent and everything. So I started building my business, not only Epic Self, because I was making money through my blog as, you know, with advertising, but I started doing one-on-one training with Pilates and yoga at different Pilates studios and different really high-end gyms in, in the city. And so I had a full book of clients and I was really, really busy outside of my dance training and performance schedule and stuff like that. And so, but along the journey, like I really knew how important it was to me to build a location independent business as I was like, you know, invested in the online world and seeing, okay, like once Skype became available, I started to really open my eyes to what's possible online. Like, oh, I could sell my products and services online. Oh, I could do Skype coaching. Oh, I could teach people Pilates and yoga through Skype. You know, and so I had all these like visions, but no one was really on the bandwagon yet with like Skype and Zoom didn't even exist yet. And it's like, like Google Hangouts was starting, you know, there was just all these interesting things that were, and I think you and I both were like kind of on the forefront of what's possible with these things and trying to play and experiment with that. But over like the eight years I was in San Francisco, I realized, you know, this quality of life, I cannot sustain. I was mainly there for dance. That was the reason I decided to stay in the city as long as I did, because my heart was all about dancing and I was dancing professionally. So it was like, that's what kept me in the city, but the rest of it I could do without in terms of the hustle and grind mentality and the energetics of the city is really intense too. And so I had this opportunity, my friend Harla, who I met in San Francisco, invited me to come teach at the Envision Festival in Costa Rica. No way. I didn't actually know that was a connection. So of course, Costa Rica is a small place when you get to know everybody, but of course I know Harlow. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. So Harlow and I met at the Green Festival, which is like a sustainability conference in San Francisco every year. And he had his booth for his retreat center. And he was like, hey, Amber, you know, I'd love to invite you to come down to uh, Envision. I know the producers and it's a yoga music festival for those of you who don't know what uh, Envision is. And at the time it was quite small. There was maybe like 1500 people going to Envision. And my class was like 30 people on the grass under like a shade structure. It was like super small, but he he said, come down and we can teach at Envision. And then you can teach at my retreat center. I'm doing like a post Envision retreat at my retreat center. And I was like, okay, cool. But at first I was like, well, I'm really busy and they're going to kind of have to convince me. And I wasn't really like too sold on Costa Rica because I'd had like a bad experience when I was 16 years old there where I just was eaten alive by insects and just didn't have a good time. There was like, I went with 
a friend and her family. And I just had a bad taste in my mouth about Costa Rica, which is hilarious. <laughs> and so then, so I, I, I like was kind of resistant. Finally, he convinces me. I leave work and I go down to Costa Rica for two weeks. And that was the beginning of a massive shift in my life. Like my heart opened so much being in Costa Rica just for that short amount of time, seeing what all these visionaries were doing down there. You know, these people had these beautiful lives, like the most amazing quality of life, living in the tropics, surrounded by monkeys and toucans and like going in 85 degree ocean every day. I was like, this is my dream life. And if I can figure out a way to do something like these people are doing, like they're running retreat centers, they've got these festivals, like they're doing workshops and retreats all the time. Like if I can create that, I can have this lifestyle too. And ultimately I wanted to go fully online anyway and not be tethered to San Francisco because as much as I loved my clients, I was tethered to these locations. I literally couldn't leave. If I did, I just would lose my income, right? So I either need to transition all of my clients into the online sphere or I needed to like open up a center and figure out what I was going to do in Costa Rica. So of course I come back from Costa Rica and having this massive like awakening and realizing, oh my gosh, what I'm missing is connection to nature. And that was, and I knew San Francisco, I I couldn't have that in San Francisco, no matter how much I tried to make that happen. It was like, there's nothing like being in the jungle, as you know, Matt, it's like just the energy is just palpable. I know. It's so special. It's so special. And so I started talking to all my clients about it and I was like, yeah, you know, this is, I would love to do like a retreat down there or like a workshop. I'm not quite sure what. And then I had one of my clients step forward who was an online client of mine at the time. And he was like, hey, Amber, like I'm really interested in potentially investing in Costa Rica. What are you wanting to build down there? Like if you could build anything, what would you build? And I'm like, well, probably like a wellness center where I could bring in a bunch of different amazing teachers from all over the world and create this like hub of of wellness. And he's like, let's do it. And I was like, what? Are you kidding me? Like I I was totally floored. I'm like, wait, you want to invest in me? Like you want to invest in my, my idea here? And so I put together the whole business plan and he was going to invest, you know, a certain amount of capital initially that I would pay back, but we had this whole plan going. And so I looked, I went down to Costa Rica. I found a rental property. Like I did the whole thing. I'd almost put the deposit down on the lease and I got an email from him saying, I'm sorry, I can't invest at this time. We're having some family issues. I can't. And I'm like, are you kidding me? I just closed all my business in San Francisco. Like I just told all my clients I'm leaving. I have equipment for my studio on the cargo ship going to Costa Rica right now. So I had four weeks until I was supposed to land in Costa Rica. This story is crazy. And I had to like reach out to everybody I knew. I was like, is anyone interested in investing in this? Because I didn't have the, the capital to, let's say, you know, sit on for a year while I was experimenting and trying to get my feet under me in Costa Rica and figure out what was going to really fly down there because I had a ton of ideas, but you don't really know until you start, until you're in it in terms of what's possible. And so, yeah, um, a friend eventually stepped forward. He was like, no problem. He actually doubled the investment, you know, going down there. I landed on the proper day I was supposed to be there, opened up the studio and I ran the studio for, I had it open for about a year before I decided, you know what? I want to be completely location independent. (laughs) I just created another cage for myself. I'm now, you know, I love what I do, but I'm working 24 seven, even more than I was in San Francisco running the studio, which is, you know, the one that you visited. I was like, I can't keep this up year round either because Manuel Antonio is very seasonal, which is something I didn't take into account when I moved down there. Sure. (laughs) So (laughs) that's kind of the nutshell version. (laughs) No, I, I totally hear you on all of the unexpected things, of course, in starting a business. And then go try to start one in Latin America. And wow, you are in for a lot of surprises. Let's just say that. <laughs> I actually recorded a, a podcast uh, with a guy named John Muller. He does a podcast called The Expat Files is what it is. And he goes through all of the reasons. He really basically came on and said, don't go try to start a brick and mortar business in Costa Rica. And uh, yeah. I can even tell you that I own a subsidiary of under 30 experiences in Costa Rica, local tour operator, so that we can pay all of our tour guides, for example, down there and they can get their proper insurances and all of these things. And it is just so complicated. I mean, tomorrow I have to go get something notarized and then go to the Texas State Department to authenticate the notary on the signature. I can't just electronically sign things. Yeah. So I think it would be a really neat transition to talk about what you do with online business coaching and why if people are saying, wow, well, who wouldn't want to go and start a retreat center in Costa Rica? But 
now you're you're taking on investments, right? And there's so much pressure in that. Oh yeah. So could you talk a little bit more about why you decided to be completely location independent versus having all that infrastructure? Yeah, for me, my core values have always been freedom and and quality of life and how can I create my business around that? And so, you know, back in San Francisco, I did that by working in Mexico once a month. And I had this great kind of, and I was traveling a lot, teaching retreats in Bali. And I, I was still producing retreats, but my base was San Francisco. So I was building out this lifestyle design I really wanted in terms of the travel. But then moving to Costa Rica, ultimately, my whole vision was like, I'm going to put a manager in place so I can still travel and, and be nomadic to some extent, but then like have my team in place. Well, I didn't have enough capital to start that right away. And also I needed to be really smart with money and just like run it as much as I could on my own, hire in certain key team members, but really like keep the overhead really low so that I could just experiment and see if this was really worth even going all in on. So I really saw it as this experiment. But of course, like with investment, I mean, I when people talk to me to ask me today, like, would you recommend I take on a big investment like that? And I would say no, because there was so much stress. I was terrified to spend money. Like you're sitting on a big lump of cash, but I was like terrified to spend it the wrong way because this is the first time I'd ever taken on a big investment. And I didn't know how to go about what was going to be the best way of investing my money to really return on my on my money. And ultimately, like I learned Manuel Antonio is very seasonal. <laughs> and so it was super dead and low season. So I'm just burning overhead cash, basically. You know, it's like four grand a month just to keep the doors open. And I'm like, no one's even walking in. It's so dead here. So I learned that the hard way. Like, look, pay attention to the seasonality of a place that you're moving into. And also there's so many other aspects of that that I could dive into. But for me, ultimately, my core values were always, I want the freedom and flexibility in my lifestyle to really have space and time for the other things in my life, not just only be in work mode, because that's what I was trying to escape in San Francisco was this grind, which I, you know, I used to work six days a week and take a half a Sunday off. That was just how it was. And that's how everyone really operated in the city. I felt like it was really rare to find people who had balance with work and life. And one of my big reasons for moving to Costa Rica was to have better work-life balance and like learn what that mentality was like. And Costa Ricans are so good at that. And so I've learned so much from them. But really, it was just also realizing, okay, the business isn't soaring the way that I want it to. And I also really just want to be location independent and free. So that's when I shifted my whole model because I was already doing a lot of online coaching, but just not like fully driving at it because the studio was taking up so much time. So then I just shifted everything and I was already producing retreats once a month at my studio, but I decided I'm just going to rent retreat centers like you guys do, where you just rent a location, overhead is much lower. You're not carrying all the overhead. You're not managing a space. You can just drop in for a week, bounce out, and then wait another month until the next retreat. So for me, it was just all of the above, all those things. I commend you for for seeing that. And I'd love to ask you, Amber, so I, I experienced a similar thing being in New York and, uh, you know, the grind. And I'm very type A, but I find that I'm much happier when I take the edge off a little bit and allow myself some space, as you said, to breathe and relax and enjoy and make sure I get in the water and get my vitamin D directly from the sun instead of supplementing (laughs) and cheating, right? And I just found that in New York, I was so stressed out. Uh, It was beginning of my business career and uh, trying to make it and trying to keep up with all the other people and all this stuff. And so when I went to Costa Rica, I still worked a lot, as you kind of just said, you know, when you start something like a retreat center, you have to be there. Uh, You just do to get it up and running. It's a it's a startup, whatever way you look at it. And you can't just have, you know, if if you're going to be teaching yoga classes and Amber, I can say you're a great yoga teacher. You want to be the one to give those people the most fantastic experience, just like in the early days, we didn't have tour guides. You know, I was down there making the local connections and doing everything on the ground. So I'd love to for you to elaborate a little bit on what you learned about this work-life balance mm-hmm. or this work-life integration. It can be a very slippery slope. And you, you talk about this quite a lot on your, your social media. So I'd love to hear what all that means to you. 
Yeah. So, you know, I so resonate with the workaholic type A, like this was me through and through my most of my life. Like I was the racehorse giving 200% as a dancer. That's how we were trained. So that's how I behaved in all other aspects of my life and work was another outlet. So I was the workaholic type A perfectionist. When I landed in Costa Rica, as you can imagine, because everything's Tico time, like I would get so frustrated and oh, like just so irritated, like the the dial-up internet when I moved down there. Like we couldn't even do Skype without massive connectivity issues. Right. The internet was so bad. And I was like, how am I gonna do this? Like I thought I was gonna do live streamed classes and I had like this whole vision and I had to just throw that out the window. And so, you know, for me. What was so beautiful about that though, is it forced me to slow down. Like I didn't have an option. This is something Costa Rica does beautifully. Mm -hmm. It just shatters all of that resistance that you might have to life in general where I'm like, okay, the internet's not working today. I guess we're going to the beach, you know? And so just like, okay, like let's just surrender and trust that whatever is happening here energetically, like we can't force something that's not meant to happen. And the patience I've learned living in a culture like that. But more importantly, what I love about Costa Rica is their qualities of their culture. So, or the values of their culture. So community is a massive value for Costa Ricans where everybody gathers and they're all about hanging out. And so for me, I met all these people in Costa Rica, like they became super close friends and we would hang out every weekend and go on adventures together. We were like little kids playing in the jungle. And that was so awesome for me because I'd spent so many years in the hustle and grind of the city and not spending like quality social time with anybody really. Like it was just all work. There was really no play happening and I wasn't drinking alcohol. So there was like no no reason for me to go out at night and, and party anymore. So once I got into yoga and raw food so much, I just like let go of the whole kind of party scene, which was good for me. But like also there goes your social scene especially in the city. So moving to Costa Rica where people value connection to nature and they value community building and tribe building. I was like, wow, this is so cool. And so it really forced me to have better balance. So I did start taking the weekends off. I did start like slowly doing that. But now with my online business, everything is different. Like I have so many strong boundaries and things in place where I take now, I only work four days a week now. Wow, good for you. Yeah. And I've like, you know, brought on team members and I'm delegating and I'm just, I've learned so much about how to delegate and how to really just honor my space, time and energy. Because what I've learned is, which I'm sure you have too, Matt, is that you can't give from an empty cup. And I was always giving, giving, giving over my capacity just all the time. And so, and I never took the proper self-care and the time off, even though I teach yoga and Pilates and all the things it's like, yeah, but I still wasn't taking the weekends off. Sure. You know, it's like this backwards thing. And so... With that being said, it's been this beautiful slowing down for me where I'm okay with things not getting done as fast as they used to because I'd rather enjoy my life. I'd rather enjoy the process. And that's what yoga teaches us, of course. And But it's another thing to really embody it in how we run our businesses. No, that, that's great. And I want to ask you in a, in a moment more about how you're able to set these boundaries, but I want to fully encapsulate your journey because when you were down there in Costa Rica, it, it seemed, well, I'll speak uh, for myself, it was such a time of self-discovery. And I know you and I both spent time also in places like Thailand and Peru in the Sacred Valley and got to yeah. travel to all these incredible places. But it seems that your journey traveling the world and furthering your yoga practice was also really a spiritual journey as well. Uh, And yeah, I'd love to hear a little bit more about that because just for me being in nature and having time to contemplate what is important really opened me up to a world that I never even knew existed. It just kind of slapped me in the face and it was kind of like, hey buddy, wake up. There's a whole lot more out there that you know nothing about and life is short. So kind of get with it. Yeah. So I'd love to hear your story. Yeah. So my spiritual path had really started when I discovered yoga back when I was like 21, 22, I was traveling through Australia backpacking and I picked up my first Iyengar yoga book. And this was like the start of me really diving into the practice fully, ultimately getting certified and then ultimately, you know, wanting to do retreats and all this stuff. 
weaving it into my Pilates practice, but also along the journey, um, you know, down in Costa Rica, I sat in my first ayahuasca ceremony within the first six months of living in Manuel Antonio. And that began an entirely new healing transformative journey for me that was way beyond anything I'd experienced in the other healing modalities I'd experienced. So ayahuasca radically shattered my ego and just taught me so many amazing lessons and gave me such perspective So I started working with medicine and shamans really consistently and extensively in our region. Luckily, in Manuel Antonio, we were like 20 minutes from a really wonderful shamanic healing center. So I worked with um, a shaman there for, and I still work with them, uh, have been working with them for the last seven years. So within those first six months, you know, I sat in my first ceremony, everything shifted my trajectory in the work I do, the depth of the work I do, because I was already doing like transformational work within my retreats and and teacher trainings, but working with medicines are another another level, <laughs> all dimensions you're working on. And so then I started creating retreats that incorporated the shamanic traditions. And then I started creating retreats that were in other ancient uh, traditions as well. So like taking people to, the, to Peru, to the Sacred Valley, to work with the indigenous there and their traditions there, going to the Amazon and working with indigenous tribes there, working with medicine, in Thailand, I took a teacher training out there to also learn about the Thai traditions. Um, they don't work with medicine out there, but you know they've got a whole spiritual uh, practice and way of living, which is so beautiful. I love the East. So you know, for me, there's all these different ancient traditions. I'm just fascinated, fascinated by like Mayan tradition, <laughs> the Shipibo in the Amazon, you know, the Caro Nation in the Sacred Valley. There's so many amazing ancient traditions and lineages that I love to bring Westerners to, like who have never ever seen this stuff or heard of this stuff. And just like these people are so deeply connected to nature and their rituals and traditions are all so deeply connected to like how we stay connected to our hearts, our spirit, our bodies and nature. And I feel like most modern day people are very disconnected from all those things. (laughs) And so it's like, let's reconnect people to their souls, to their heart, to their purpose to nature so that they can have reverence and start to live from a more heart-centered place. And so that's really been my my driving purpose in everything I do, whether it's running a retreat or it's in my my business coaching. But my spirituality has evolved so much, very gratefully, thanks to uh, working with Master Plans. Okay. Well, first of all, thank you for, for sharing. And ayahuasca and plant medicines and psychedelics in general have gotten quite popular. And I want to point out to people that, Amber, you were doing transformative work within yourself and, and coaching other people far before you decided to sit for an ayahuasca ceremony. And so, absolutely, you know, we've covered, you know, we've had plenty of people on uh, the podcast who've come on and accredited so much of their success or their healing or their own transformation to substances like ayahuasca, but uh, I wanted to ask you before everybody on this podcast just says, okay, yeah, that's totally for me. I'm going to go do that right now and hope that it's going to be a transformative experience as well. What are the things that you might suggest people getting into beforehand? Yeah or starting to think about so that they can go into something like this, which if not done correctly, can really mess you up. A thousand percent. I love you asked that question because I'm so adamant about the safety and the container and the shamans you're working with, the experience level, because I've worked with so many groups over the years and held space and see, and worked with also many different shaman and different traditions. There is a, a light side to this and there's a dark side to this. And it's a fine line if you're not careful with who you're sitting with and the medicine they're serving and how you're preparing yourself mentally, emotionally, and physically for these experiences. So a huge part of what I do with my groups is prepare them. So, you know, you asked what what can people do? Really, I think the most important thing is that you feel called to do this work. So meaning that the spirit is calling you like and that shows up in many ways. Like maybe you just keep hearing about ayahuasca, you're researching it a lot, you're kind of afraid of it, but you're like researching it and you're trying. And then all of a sudden, you know, you're maybe looking at some experiences, but you're still not like, mm, I don't think that's it for me right now. But you're still being called. There's something that like is just keeps coming up in your mind. But there's a lot of people nowadays, unfortunately, who are just reading like, oh, Chelsea Handler did ayahuasca. I should try that too. Like that is not the right reason to try ayahuasca. Like, and this is not something to try either. It's not like some drug you take on the weekends with your friends. It's you have no idea what world you're stepping into if you've never experienced it. So I'm very like 
precautionary. <laughs> so with that Thank being said, <laughs> the ways that you, you know, would prepare for a ceremony like this, first and foremost, like having a solid meditation practice is really, really important because ayahuasca is a strong mirror to your mind and your ego. And it's very well known for shattering egos. And so the most important thing is that you have your mind set conscious and aware that like the whole process of working with medicine is about trust and surrender and like staying focused in your mind because the mind will be your ultimate enemy in this experience because it's trying to understand what's happening. It's like, oh, what does that mean? What does that mean? And it's just going to take you off on these like wormholes and tangents, which many people I'm sure have experienced with psychedelics to some extent. If you've worked with psilocybin or LSD, like if you let your mind go off on a dark tangent, it can get pretty scary pretty quickly. And so meditation is a really powerful tool for helping you train your mind and sit with your breath and follow your breath, which are really powerful. Your breath is your greatest tool when you're working with these medicines. Another tool, of course, is yoga. So when you're opening up the chakras, you're aligning the body, releasing tension in the body, releasing energetic blockages, preparing yourself physically that way is the best way, simply because the more open and and connected you are and activated you are, the deeper the medicine can work on you. When it's having to like break through all of these mental, physical barriers, it's oftentimes feels more intense. The ceremonies feel more intense because you might have to purge a lot more. There might be a lot of just resistance and you're like, kind of you're fighting the experience. But when you really get grounded and centered and present in your physical body before experiences like that, it's really, really helpful. And then also nutrition. So there's a whole dietary protocol leading into these experiences. And this is something else that's pretty terrifying. If you are looking at ceremonies and they don't have a health intake form or they don't have any nutritional guidance leading into these things, those are big red flags. So I actually just did a podcast on this. I'm like, here are the red flags to look for. This is what you should be looking for and what you should steer away from. Like, So just so people who don't know, there's so many people that are being taken advantage of, sadly, because they don't know any better when they go down to, to Peru and just like rock up to a retreat center and try to find a ceremony to sit in. It's really, it can be very, very dangerous with the wrong people and the wrong brew and everything. So with that being said, making sure that there's a dietary protocol to prepare your body, because once again, the cleaner your body is, the deeper the medicine can work on you. If you drink beer and, and have pizza the night before a ceremony, you're going to be purging a lot. Let me just say that. You're going to be purging a lot because the medicine's cleaning you. It's very, very powerful at detoxifying you. So And then to follow that up, like after ceremonies, integrations, everything, because these experiences literally mean nothing unless you do something with them. So you can have a massive insight and download and all these amazing experiences and people have these incredible stories to tell, right? And honestly, it doesn't matter unless you learn to embody the lessons that you were taught by these master plants. So like, cause the ayahuasca will teach you, like you need to learn to love yourself. We're going to work on self-love. Like these are some rituals you should be doing every day. And if you consistently don't do that and you just go back to the plans for more knowledge, it's literally like you're wasting so much time and energy when you could just be changing your life. Like, and, and that's ultimately what this is. The plants are teaching us, they're opening the doorway, but we have to walk through the door. We have to do the work. And the work is always the hardest part is the integration afterward. That's great. And I'm so happy you brought up integration or, or reintegration, which is actually how I wanted to, to transition in a second here. But I wanted to say, I, I typed down uh, some notes that you said, embodying the lessons that you were taught. And so, yeah, yeah not just walking away. It's like if you go to a, I don't know, a rave or a, one of these festivals or something like that. And you did drugs and you walked away and you said, oh, that was, that was a whole lot of weird feelings, but you might not have really learned anything or had anybody at your disposable, disposal, excuse me, to teach you or, or perhaps not to teach you, but to help you wrap your head around. Because you walk away from these things, you're like, what was that? Yeah. <laughs> but then to really drive value, you want to then integrate this into your into your life and take these lessons learned and as you said embody them so that's great and uh, amber you mentioned that you just recorded a podcast uh, about nutrition and and the protocol before these uh, i know you have a podcast coming out so your new podcast is called soul powered as you told me <laughs> and yes i wanted to ask you was this a podcast that you recorded of your own or were you a guest somewhere else? Because I'd love to link up all of this on the show notes. I'm going to put for anybody listening, I'm going to put the show notes at my new website, mattwilson.co. But is that something, a link that you could share or is that out yet? 
Yeah, so that that specific podcast is not out yet. I'm doing I'm launching my all like the first five episodes. I'm doing my big launch this Friday, the 31st of January. So but the ayahuasca solo cast that I did is just like an hour long, in-depth, like educational, really about working with ayahuasca that is coming out the following week. That's going to be like the the sixth episode that comes out. But yeah, I'm happy to give that to you, Matt. And if you want to link it perfect, because for me, it's it's very important. There's so many millennials coming online right now and learning about ayahuasca and they don't know at all what they're stepping into. And you can buy ayahuasca on the internet now and people are doing that. And then they're drinking ayahuasca in their living room with their friends on the weekend. And they have they just have no idea they have no idea how powerful these plants are and it's really scary what can happen you know major trauma can happen they just don't understand so that's why i feel like it's so important that we get the word out those of us who have been working with these plants and working with really experienced shaman for so many years it's our duty to really share and educate the right ways and wrong ways to be working with these plants that are going to be first of all most respectful to the traditions but also the safest <laughs> That's beautiful. Um, and do you have any further resources? I will absolutely link to this uh, podcast and this will come out in you know, probably a week or two. And so hopefully your podcast will be launched by then. I'm, I'm really excited for you. But do you have anywhere else that you would recommend? Um, one that I always say is Michael Pollan's book. The name escapes me at, at the moment, but I'll link to that. Do you have any go-to resources where people can read or listen? Yeah. So there's a wonderful book by Dr. Rachel Harris, I believe. Mm. Harris is how you pronounce it. Um, it's called Listening to Ayahuasca. And it's a woman's journey. She's you know sat in hundreds of ceremonies and she wrote this book. She did a ton of research on ayahuasca and actually did um, massive research with participants who had sat for over a hundred ceremonies. And she basically did a bunch of data, data gathering of these individuals and then put together her findings for those who are looking to work with this plant, it's really, really informative um, and really teaches you a lot of how this medicine works long-term for people, not just short-term, but like if you're working with it for many, many, many years, the type of results people are experiencing. So she really wanted to, because there's not a ton of scientific data on ayahuasca, unfortunately, because it's very hard to measure. Every night is different. Even if you if you drink like a, a different amount every night, it will also be different. Like you could have the same brew and it's a different experience every night. So th- it's very hard to quantify because of that. There's a lot of magic involved in it. Sure. So with that being said, it's a really phenomenal resource, but also there's some great documentaries. So one in particular is called Aya Awakenings. There's another one called Ayahuasca, Nature's Greatest Gift that I recommend. And you can find these on YouTube um, and they're full-length documentaries and they really go into the traditions and they showcase you know, in the jungle how the shamans are working and follow people who are, you know, the kind of subjects of the documentary going through the the healing journey that that happens for them. But there's those two are really, really great, especially because they they really help you feel if you've never worked with a plant medicine or you never worked with a psychedelic before, it helps you understand what it can feel like to be in a ceremony because they have a lot of visuals in the in the films and they just kind of give you some perspective. And that would have been helpful for me because I never sat with any sort of psychedelic before or visionary plant medicine. And ayahuasca was my first. So that was a big shock. <laughs> wow. Okay. Well, I'll, I'll certainly yeah. try to hunt these things down. And yes, you're absolutely right. The dose is not measured like with psilocybin. It's very easy to measure what mushroom it is and what the dosages that you're getting, but these are brews made in in the Amazon or wherever you decide to go. So work with an expert uh, because a lot of it's about the, the shaman feeling and observing how you're doing and making their recommendation uh, on whether or not you want to go deeper. So totally. Yeah. Thank you for sharing those resources. And so transitioning into integration, I wanted to ask, well, First, let's talk about integration as uh, at the topic at hand with plant medicine. But then I want to talk to you about integration in general with just coming back to the United States, because that's something that I've certainly struggled with uh, coming back here to Austin. It hasn't been as bad as it was years past. I'd come back from Costa Rica and I'd land in, like I used to go see my grandmother in South Florida, and I'd land in, in Fort Lauderdale, and I'd be like, oh, hell no, get me out of here. I need to go back to the jungle. This is, and it, it really, it stressed me out, the loud noises, oh everything. But first, uh, if you could provide any 
tips for people. And let's open it. Say people are coming back from a, a 10-day uh, meditation retreat or they've just gone to, yes. a, to a yoga retreat for seven days or they're just coming back from the time of their life in who knows where trip and then they have yes. to come back and they think, oh my God, I need to sit in my cubicle now. How am I going to deal with that? Uh, what tips would you give them? Yeah, so so always for me, it's self-care rituals. It's how can I start to like, take daily action to build new habits because the beautiful thing about these experiences and I know yours as well, Matt, you know, you're immersing people in a completely different way of being in a completely different culture, something they've never experienced before. And people often, you know, if I know your locations are amazing and mine are too. It's like, we've chosen really high vibrational spaces where people experience a vibration in a culture that is so beyond what they thought was possible. Oftentimes, and I experienced that a lot in Costa Rica where people are like, I just want to move here. I cannot believe this place exists. It's like Avatar. And I'm like, I know, right? It's crazy. But, but with that, then there's this massive, can be a massive depression as they go home because they're dropping back into the vibration of the culture in the U.S., the stress of their work life, you know, their relationship that's like, you know, falling apart or whatever is going on. It could be the social circles they run in, the job that they hate, right? And they they want to change everything. Oftentimes, at least with my experiences, like people have such deep transformations and awakenings. They're like, I just want to like throw all that shit out I was doing that's definitely not serving me. I know it's not serving me. And I'm super now hyper aware of that. But how do I begin to slowly dismantle that and take on what's next then? Like, how do I create that next chapter of what I'm really wanting to do and be? And so, so much of my integration workshops are, okay, we've let go of a lot during this retreat. We realized a lot what we do and don't want. Now, how are you going to systematically go home, baby step it and start to slowly let these things go that you know are no longer serving you, whether it's like your diet, whether it's your toxic partner you've been with for a couple of years that you know you shouldn't be in that relationship, whether it's like, you know, calling your mom and having a really healing conversation with her. You know, there's so many different angles that this can go, but then it's the exciting part is now, what do you want to create? Now that you're creating this space, what do you want to create now? So it's getting really clear about those things. What am I letting go of? And also what am I creating? What am I calling in? How do I want to feel every day? How do I want to be? What type of work do I want to be doing? What type of people do I want to surround myself with? You know, and this is the beauty of lifestyle design is like, we are the ultimate creators of our reality. We can do this, but it might take time. And I think a lot of people start, they go back into their same kind of low vibrational, let's say like toxic partnerships, their friend circles, their jobs they don't like, whatever it is. And they don't really know how to begin. And so, so much of it is the daily action of reconnecting to self. And what they experience often on retreats is self-care. Self-care, time and space to be with themselves, to reflect on themselves. So that's what often I'm like, okay, so you've experienced Pilates and yoga every day here, meditation, eating super clean. This is why you feel good. You feel good because you're connected to yourself and you're connected to nature. So, and you're taking the best care of yourself during this retreat. So if that's the case, let's start to add those things into your life back home. Like, can you drink a green smoothie every day? Probably. Can you meditate for five minutes? Probably. Like like doable action steps that aren't going to be overwhelming. Like I have a lot of people guests say like, I'm just going to practice yoga for two hours a day now every day. And I'm like, that's not realistic, is it? Like, let's talk about what's realistic and doable <laughs> in your life. Unless you can totally change your life right now. But like, let's talk about what's doable in your current schedule. So we get really specific about that so that they go home with an action plan and they go, okay, like I can do five minutes of meditation a day. I can listen to some medicine music. I can take yoga two times a week at my local studio and I can commit to that. And that's what keeps them connected to themselves and ultimately to that deeper wisdom so that when they do want to make bigger life changes, they are tapping into their inner power versus like just kind of falling into old patterns, let's say. Okay. That makes a lot of sense. And um, it seems like it's so neat to see the evolution or hear now the evolution of your business and what you teach because you've been able to take the lessons that you've certainly learned yourself. And you said, what do you want to create? So first of all, when we're thinking about what term that you said, lifestyle design, you have now transitioned back to the States. So I would love to, I would love to hear more about that and just here and because everybody, right? They want to go to, they want to follow this, uh, this path and go down to Costa Rica and just focus on their yoga practice and do you for a while. And they 
could get down there and realize, wow, it's actually quite difficult and it is quite isolated and you're far from your family and your friends and your culture, uh, no matter where you go, if you make a big life transition. So I'd love to hear about your current transition yeah. uh, as far as lifestyle design goes, what people can learn from that. And then maybe we can we can end a little bit more on, on business coaching stuff and how people can really create something outside of themselves. Sure, sure. Yeah, so that transition has been definitely very challenging for me because the life I built in Costa Rica for me was my dream life. Like that was the life I always wanted, that like paradise, living in the jungle book, mermaid life where I could go to the beach every day and I could teach the things I love and I could make great money doing that. And I could help a lot of people. I could work with medicine. Like there were so many things. Like once I also found medicine, it was like, okay, like I'm in the jungle. We're doing this work. We're working in these traditions. We're bringing all these people down to heal. Like it was just that was my soul's purpose. Like that felt like, and it still is, you know, very much so a massive part of my soul's purpose, but that was a big chapter for me. Like, you know, a good six years of just that all, all in. And so when I met JP, it was so hard because I'm like, I love this man and I want a future with him, but we live in completely different realities. I live in the jungle in Costa Rica, running healing retreats. And he's on a book tour in the US and he has no interest in moving to Costa Rica. He has no desire whatsoever. Like he came to Costa Rica a couple of times. He's like, yeah, it's pretty cool. But like, I just like it because you like it. I'm like, what? Like, I just couldn't even understand. I'm like, Costa Rica is like the ultimate. I, you know, and it was like, so we're very different in that way, right? And so he wants to be in the US with all the creature comforts and the first world and all, I mean, he just likes all that. And he was also all of his businesses here. So I'm like, how are we going to weave that? So the first year and a half, you know, I would come up here for three months. He would come down for a month. We would just do this back and forth game, which totally sucked. And we were like apart way too much. And so after about a year and a half, once we got married, we're like, we can't keep doing this anymore. We got to find a central location where both can live and work comfortably. Austin became that place. I fell in love with Austin and traveled here and just like felt the vibes and the community is amazing. So the community was really honestly what sold us on Austin was the amazing people here the kindness, the open-heartedness, the acceptance of all the people. So, you know, we, this is about a year and a half ago. Now we got married, we bought our home here. And then, you know, still though, I had like six months abroad. I was in Thailand and Costa Rica for six months. And so I didn't see him a lot that year. Wow. And he was just living and working here in Austin, you know, like and traveling around, uh, coming down to Costa Rica occasionally. And then ultimately I was like, I can't do this. I've either have to leave my dream life that I created down here so a lot of it, the transition was hard for me because it felt like a lot of sacrifice. Like I'm sacrificing all the things that I've built that I love that matter to me to move to the US again, a culture I'm not a fan of. And maybe you can resonate with that. Or I was like, I'm, I'm not a fan of the US. There's a reason I left the country. And it's because I don't agree with the politics, with the government. There's just a lot of the things that are being done here. And also, unfortunately, the vibration in this country, the collective vibration is around fear. It's like a lot of fear, a lot of anxiety. People are really stressed out, really overwhelmed compared to Costa Rica. If you're going to compare the two, it's like night and day. And so like you experienced now, like coming back, I always wanted to leave. I'd come back for like a week and be like, I'm out. I can't handle it. Because the vibration, it was like baseline vibration in Costa Rica is here, like way above your head. And then in the US, you start low and you start to like try to get your vibe up all day long to maybe get to where Costa Rica's baseline is. You know, it's like, so it just feels exhausting. That's what it felt like. It felt like exhausting to me energetically to be here. And so anyway, with that being said, things have shifted a lot and I had to release a lot of this old programming and unfortunate like belief systems around the US because there's so much good here, of course, as well. But when you're in Costa Rica, it's like everyone calls it the matrix. Everyone's like, nope, I'm not going back to the matrix. There's like this anti-American, not well, and not anti-American, anti-US sort of vibe happening in Costa Rica. And I was fully on that bandwagon. I was like, I'm never going back. Costa Rica is my jam. Like, and I'm ultimately like, I do want to have a home in Costa Rica for sure. I want my babies playing in the jungle, learning Spanish. Like I want that totally. JP knows that. But for this chapter of us, like building our life and ultimately like we're trying to conceive right now. So this is this chapter. We do need to be here for his work because he's doing comedy shows all over the country. Like I would never see him if I didn't live here. And so with that realization, it's like, cool, we can make this awesome. We're building this great chapter together. We're making it awesome. But I've had to really let go and, and grieve 
this old Amber that was like the solo entrepreneur, like living her dream, you know, um, and to also have the love of my life in my life. So yeah, it's been interesting. <laughs> wow. Every time you you tell your story, how much it resonates with me is it's just so funny uh, because I haven't actually shared this with any of my uh, podcast listeners yet. But so Louis and I just got married not too long ago. We're in the same transition in life. And uh, I write about this in my book that's coming out. I'm just uh, about to publish my first book, The Millennial Travel Guide Book. And uh, thank you. Thank you very much. And so I tell the story, uh, not spoiler alert, right? But (laughs) I tell the story in in the book, um, in the conclusion. But we're down in Costa Rica and, you know, rainy season, you can get into a rut. You know, it can rain for two weeks straight where it's not not only do not want to go outside, but it, it can be dangerous to go outside. I love rainy season for most most of the time, but sometimes it gets to you. You know, it's nice to be able to leave and have, as you said, that freedom, that lifestyle, location independence, if you will. And so, yes, yes, so we ended up looking to buy a place in Costa Rica and it ended up, it just, it fell through. It was a shady deal. You have to be really careful. And we said, you know what? Well, that's that's okay, and we had uh, we had previously applied for Luz's fiance visa, and to come to the states just in case. Just we just said let's just throw it out there just in case. And as soon as that deal fell through, we got that letter, and we said, well, maybe this is a sign. And so we started looking around at places to buy in Austin. We're like, oh, geez. Austin and Costa Rica are pretty much the same price. Yes, yes. In a lot of ways. And we said, maybe that's where we need to to be. And so sure enough, uh, yeah, so sure enough, as all that was playing out and we're packing our bags and, uh, you know, all the tears that come along with it, leaving that beautiful place, it was, oh my God, Louis is finally pregnant. And so just that whole thing, the way it, it fell We really wanted to come back and be able to have our child on American soil, get the passport straight away. Totally smart move. Yeah, yeah, all the things that come come along with the privileges, the advantages of being U.S. citizens. Yes, I was extremely blessed to be born on the soil for sure. Yeah, Mm -hmm. yeah, I love what you said about letting go of those belief systems that we have yeah. about, oh, geez, I don't like this culture per se, or this isn't me, or I feel like a foreigner here now at times. And I, I feel like, oh, geez, I don't fit in very well. And totally. I, you know, I beat to the, what's the expression? Beat to the sound of my own drummer or something like that. And it was, it was quite difficult. I, I'm getting more of a handle on it. And of course, starting a family, that's your choice to be able to do whatever you want and leave your legacy and go forward in a certain way of our choosing. And so that's just been a really special thing to to look forward to. Well, it's, it's coming up quick, but yeah, thank you for, for sharing. And I wanted to, uh, well, share this with you personally. And of course, everybody who's listening and, and been following the journey. So yeah, thank you for that, Amber. And I do want to try to squeeze in a little bit more about what you do with uh, your business coaching because sure. people listening, a lot of people could say, oh, well, that's great for Matt and Amber because they started businesses when they were 22 years old or whatever. But what about me? I can't just pack up and I don't have the money for that or the sustained income. So, what are some things that you would recommend people to do if they want to design their life so they can live life on their own terms? What would you recommend to them? Yeah. So primarily I work with health and wellness entrepreneurs, those in the industry that I came from, because that's still a massive part of my life and you know the practices I teach. So I primarily work with those in that industry. So I don't work with those who are like, you know, doing tech startups and apps and you know, all the different industries that do exist, like drop shipping and stuff. But specifically in the health and wellness sphere, I'm working with a lot of coaches, a lot of trainers, healers, 
people who are incredible teachers and have a lot of gifts in the health and wellness realm, but just have no idea how to take it online. So, so much of what I'm doing is helping people transition their in-person, on-the-ground client base to an online space. And that's oftentimes a slow transition to make that happen. But in so much that involves social media and building a website and having online courses, like there's so many layers to that. Many people want to do retreats. They want to do workshops. They want to help people through transformative events. So because that's like my specialty, my mastery, my favorite thing, like I do a lot of that too with my clients. So I work with new and established entrepreneurs, primarily women, just because I think that's who I attract. But it's like people who are very, very soul driven. They've got this big soul purpose and they feel like, oh my God, I have to help. I have to serve. I have this greater idea and I have these different gifts, these different tools I've learned along my journey that I want to give to other people, but they don't know how to monetize it. They don't know how to grow it online. And they ultimately want that lifestyle design where they do have an online business because so many people like we did and we realized... I realized reading Tim Ferriss's for our work week way back in the day, like I don't want to be tethered to a location. It took me a while to figure out how to untether myself from a location. So, so much of that has to do with the learning technology. You've got to learn how to set up a website or hire someone to do this for you so that, you know, and a lot of what I do with my clients is teach them how to build their websites on WordPress so that they don't have to hire, you know, spend 10 grand on, on a developer or whatever it is but helping them build out that foundation of their branding, their online world, basically, like build out their online world, website, social media, online courses, retreats, workshops, all that stuff. And so really, you know, if you're wanting to dive into this space, I just want to preface that like not everyone's meant to be an entrepreneur. And one of the things I see happen is a lot of people love the vision. They love the idea of like the location independence and the, you know, six figure income and all this stuff. And it's like, do you know how much work it takes to get there? And a lot of people don't have the wherewithal or the perseverance or the discipline and follow through to make those things happen. And you might have some great ideas, but there's so many skills that are required along the journey that I think a lot of newer people just don't know because they've not been taught, right? They've never had entrepreneurs in their life. They don't know. They've never been to business school. They don't know what's required. It's a very different mindset than the nine to five employee mindset where someone tells you what to do and you do it. Like that's quite easy. What's not easy is being your own boss and telling yourself what to do and holding yourself accountable. And I think it takes a certain personality. So first and foremost, like really asking yourself, is this really what I want to take on? There's a lot of responsibility. And this is why like 90% of all businesses fail or whatever that crazy statistic is because people, they underestimate what's really required. But long story short, it's like getting really clear about what your soul is here for, like what you're so excited about, what lights you up inside, and then deciding how do I want to create my life? What does that vision look like? Is it online coaching, like a couple online clients a month, a retreat twice a year, you know, getting really clear, what would that dream vision look like? And then what we do is reverse engineer that. So if that's the end goal, what are the steps we need to take to get there? And so oftentimes I help my clients craft that vision if they're not really clear about that. And it takes a lot of experimentation too, because you might think, oh, I want to be a Pilates instructor, which I did. But then that path diverted and shifted a lot as I realized like, oh, well, I like being a Pilates teacher, but I don't like working at a gym where I'm making 20 bucks an hour. I want to be making $200 a workshop you know, by putting on a workshop at this event center. Or I want to be running a retreat where I'm making 10 grand running a Pilates retreat. you know. So there's like lots of ways, but you've got to understand your options and be willing to experiment. So there's a lot of that just discovery process. But because I've been through a lot of this experimentation and failed a lot, learned a lot, I can say, okay, well, here's the pathway that's like quantum leaping you forward versus like you having to go through all of this like I did. So that's kind of where I would start is just getting really clear about what lights your heart up. Because if you can follow your heart, you will always be winning because you'll be excited and passionate and people will buy that. People will buy your excitement and passion, whether you're selling wellness or you're selling travel or you're selling socks. Like if you are excited and confident about what you're selling, people are going to be interested in buying it from you. And so that passion, you can't, it's priceless. You can't replace that. If you're trying to sell something that you're not passionate about, it's going to be a hard journey, a much harder journey. So that's why finding what lights you up and then crafting an offer around that, whether that's like a service or that's a product or that's an experience, right? That someone can then um, ultimately buy and purchase and, and experience with you. There's so much that goes into that, but really it has to be soul-driven and heart-driven. Otherwise, it's it's really hard to make it. Let's just say that. I think that's where people fall off because they're just chasing money, but ultimately they're lacking fulfillment and and meaning and reward from their work because they're not doing something of service that's giving to something greater than themselves. They're just trying to make a buck 
by selling something like shoes on Amazon, right? Okay, cool. There's That's a path. And what's going to be most fulfilling and rewarding, you can have both. You can make income and you can also do something that you love. And I, I really try to bridge that gap for people. Beautiful. Well, Amber, it's been incredible to see your path and how you've been able to figure out all this for yourself. And thank you so much for for sharing with everyone here. I think there's so many actionable things uh, that people can can go out and do. I'm going to try to encompass everything into some comprehensive show notes at mattwilson.co. Your blog is epicself.com. You're launching a new podcast, Soul Power, to end. If people want to get in touch with you, reach out. Where's the best place we should send them? Yeah. So my website, Epic Self, is a great place. Also, Instagram, my favorite social platform. You can DM me there and I'll be right there responding. I love to chat in the DMs. So feel free to reach out there. And my handle is Epic, at Epic Self. So same brand. At Epic Self. Yeah. Awesome. Well, uh, Amber, yeah, it's been so awesome to catch up. Thank you so much. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me.